welcome. I assume we're live. We uh, are. Jez does a countdown. Jez does a countdown, but normally that's not how we operate. But uh, we are live. This is Xbox Two Plus One. I am one of your hosts, Randall Thor Nineteen, man with the million, uh, with kind of sick Jez Corden, managing editor, Windows Central. Hello. Coming down with uh, something again. Yes, uh, wonderful. I, I've inherited a cold from from somewhere, but we'll persevere for the the peeps who are kind enough to join us for this illustrious conversation with a special guest. Yes, oh. and that special guest is none other than Mr. Maddie Plays. Hello. So, you know, this is um, this is like maybe like a month into work. We were supposed to have him on last month, but, you know, uh, Maddie is a very busy, very busy uh, person. So Normally, happy we would have been fine. Any, any other game releasing around that time, we would have been good. But just we, we know how much that one meant. <laughs> yeah, I was like, all right, when I was planning out the guests, I was like, all right, Starfield's out. Who do I want? There's only one choice. It's Matt. I, appre- I appreciate get you. Got to get Maddie me. for the but. But hey, there's still but that's the stuff to talk about today. Of course, you know. So, um, you know, you, you run the the very popular Defining Duke with my with my bro, uh, Lord Cognito. You also Indeed. you run two YouTube channels. You're a busy man. You got your own YouTube channel, Mister Maddie Plays. You know, and then you have Retro Rebound. So you're you're out there doing a lot of work. Yeah, and working on a. A video game of my own on top of it, so it's a, it's a lot, but it's a lot of fun. So you make it a video game? Yeah. How, yeah. How, how is this the first time I've heard of this? Um, it's a running joke on Defining Duke because it comes up often, but I I don't talk about it. I guess I should say publicly because that's what I'm doing now. But I'm not like <laughs> broadcasting it super often, I guess, because like in my head, I'm like, all right, people should know. Like I have context of game dev knowledge because i am working on something so that's why it's I, I bring it up like why it's relevant but yeah we've been working on it for a couple of years now oh snap well yeah let me know if you need a cool voice actor for, oh dude, I, I work, I work the easter free. eggs are gonna go hard it's gonna be a blast <laughs> don't worry don't worry Every, everyone will be getting a call <laughs> oh, e- excellent I'm, I'm so down for that but uh but yeah we we this is We've kind of been trying to get this going for a long time, haven't we? I think Rand well, Rand Rand originally wanted wanted you on for Starfield post mortem, I think. Yeah, well we There's talk. a lot to discuss with Starfield. I mean, I guess I guess that's a good place to begin. Mm. Uh Starfield. I know so look, I beat it. I gave it a nine. The story really resonated with me. But I'm not the Bethesda kid, right? <laughs> I, I don't love those type of games. I like them enough, but this one spoke to me. I think it was mostly the sci-fi setting. So we're a month. We're way, way more than a month. I think it. Was, I think it's two months now since we had the game because we got it on the seventeenth of okay. August. Um, are you still playing it? Uh, w- what's the postmortem here for Starfield, Maddie? What, 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 what are your thoughts? I have moved on. Oh, um, already? Oh, yeah, I, I have moved on. Um, I, I mean, I've played it longer than any other game this year. So, okay. you know, cause we got it early. So for a lot of people, it's like, wow, already, you know, a little after a month, but like we, as you mentioned, we've had it for two months and I've played it pretty regularly up until about a week or two ago. Um, so yeah, I really threw a lot of time into it and, um, I, I love Starfield. I really do. Just like when I look at the, I call it the Bethesda Pantheon, like from, fallout to elder scrolls the starfield uh, in fairness you know 
two of those series we've had decades to sort of fortify what we love and don't like about them. Um, but I feel like Starfield I like the least out of the mm. series there. Um, I feel they've sacrificed a little too much to uh, to make the game what it is. And I would have preferred still, a, you know, I can say with certainty now seeing how the exploration and the planets played out a more scaled down approach um, to give it a sense of openness and exploration. But I mean, what they did that's new is I still find it so impressive. Like I, I, I love the space combat. Like I still think they, they knocked it out of the park with that. Like that's just heinously overlooked by so many people. There's like, Oh yeah, space combat. I'm like, have you seen the horse riding in Skyrim? The fact that they even got a spaceship working is, is mind blowing, let alone that it feels good. And there's so many parts to it. Like it's the perfect evolution of what we saw in the, the outpost system and like, and taking that and using those tools for something else that, that works in the game setting. But otherwise uh, talking to lots of people is awesome. I've been asking for that for a while. I love the oblivion style presentation of zooming in on people's faces. A lot of people online and saying they want to, um, they being like uh, Bethesda should go and do a cyberpunk style first person presentation. Mm. And I, I think not to, to immediately just drag in the comparisons. I think both games have their strengths. I like that Bethesda is AAA and leans into jank. I mean, we celebrate that type of weird shit with Kojima, so I don't know why with Bethesda there seems to be this resistance to do that. Maybe it's because a lot of people see that the games could be more. Um, but I like that there's a little bit of weird energy in its presentation. Um, and it's not like cutscene heavy. It's really just about like you talking one-on-one -on -one with someone. Um, where I think cyberpunk really thrives on immersion, like immersive animations, you know, you're doing a lot of things with your hands and um, interacting with objects and like heads are following you so that I think both games have different goals. So I just I like talking to people in Starfield. I mean, that's what 95% of the game is, is just zipping around and talking to people. Um, I like that it's choice focused. I, I think it's a great answer to a lot of problems, but as the game studios had with their last two releases, and I definitely like it way more than Fallout 4. But yeah, I think it's a great game. I think it delivered on my personal expectations. Um, and I'm excited to see what they do, uh, DLC wise, um, you know, beyond the patches, um, the, the free modes that I, I think they're going to add a survival mode. I think that's inevitable. Um, but I'm very curious to see what else they do, um, main story wise. Cause I think shattered space is definitely going to include a certain missing faction from the oh, game. What, what faction was missing? Uh, house room. Oh, room, that's man. right. They were. Yeah, that's, yeah like I mean, there. if you do Andreja's loyalty stuff, you you know you learn a lot about them. Um, and I think she's got the best story out of any companion in that game. Um, but when you look at that and the main story combined, I'm like they're holding them back, and I wish they didn't. Um, and so I, I I feel like Starfield's a game. I'll just say in conclusion that a year or two from now, I may have a totally different take on it. But right now, I I love it. It's definitely one of my favorite games of the year. Um, I just think Bethesda made a lot of concessions to go bigger and broader when they could have made a game um, that accomplished and felt just as big, although technically being smaller. But um, I'm excited to hear what you two think about it, Rand. You gave it a nine. So yeah, uh, I'm mean, with you and, and loving the main story. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I I was I was worried for the first like eight hours. I thought the yeah, game was mid as mid could possibly be, but I think yeah. it's because the game really just lets you do whatever you want in whatever order you want to do it out once you mm -hmm. get to new Atlantis. So it's like really up to you how, what you pick. And I feel like I started to play Starfield. Like I play all my open world games where it's like, I have all these quests. Let me just go down the list and just get these done. Mm -hmm. And there was like, okay, now I'm talking to a dude who wants me to do something with the tree. 
now I'm doing like it, the quests I had picked because I was playing it like a typical open world game were just kind of fetch questy. They weren't really yeah. interesting. I was like, is this what I was really thinking of doing in the sci-fi epic? It wasn't really until I found that um, I found a mission where the gravity was turned on off and on. And then yes. I started to really focus on the, the factions. I did um, I did um, uh, the one with the terramorphs, which, mm. uh, yeah, UC, the UC Vanguard. And then I started doing the main story. And like I could see people in the beginning with the main story being like, what? Like, all I'm doing is going to collect artifacts, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of low-key boring to a certain extent where it's like you land on a planet and you go to like a mine, maybe you get into a little skirmish and you grab this thing and you have a vision and you and you go back to the lodge and you do it again and you do it again. You do it a few times and you're like, this is kind of lame, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, is this all there really is to the main story? I'm I, normal because normally, you know, people always tell you like people like yourself who are in the Bethesda games, like don't even bother with the main story. It sucks. Mm-hmm. It all it sucks in Skyrim. It sucks in Fallout. It's like it's like whatever. So I was thinking, oh man, these these guys are right. But then, you know, things happen in the main story. You move away <laughs> from collecting the artifacts, and I'm a sci-fi nerd, so like that all spoke to me. And I started to just do the main story and all the faction quests, and I was so happy with how everything turned out in that regard because yeah. I wasn't playing the game to build outposts or land on all these planets and stuff. I specifically was playing it. Like, tell me a good story with some damn good characters and some good voiceovers, and I'll be happy. And that's what I got. So by the end, I was like, all right. Like, dude, I was so happy when I went to New Game Plus. Like, when, when I finished the game and sitting there watching it and going, I was like, my mind was blown, bro. I was mm-hmm. like, this is exactly what I wanted. I didn't think they'd do it, but they did, you know? The Entangled mission was, was to me, yeah. like the icing on the cake. When I did that, I was, I was really impressed. I, I think that main story, I, I'm very surprised when I see people say like it's legitimately bad. And I know there are people who like love Starfield, but they're like, yeah, the main story sucks. And I just, with all due respect, I just don't get it. And, yeah, and, just... and maybe it's because like I've played these games for so long and I have so much history with them that like I just, like you mentioned, I've never played a Bethesda Game Studios main story. Like I played Skyrim's main story once and I have probably a thousand hours in that game combined across all platforms. Like, I, so to me to like play a Bethesda main story and be compelled, I was like, this isn't, this is a dramatic shift. Yeah. Um, so I, I always get a little surprised when I hear people say that they weren't crazy about it. Jez, were, were you big on Starfield story? I don't think I ever got a chance to, to hear he your never thoughts. never finished it. Cause he, his whole what? thing was all oh, these goody two shoe companions. Ugh. That's not true. Oh, no, that's not, actually, yeah. that's not true at all. Um, uh-huh. But I I did hate the Goody Two Shoes companions, no doubt about it. But I think when yeah. I when I first started playing it, I, I was saying the same kind of things to Ryan. Like, this is lame. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember getting to um, uh, what's it called, Jemison? I can't remember what the the oh, New Atlantis. Already. Yeah, New Atlantis. Already forgotten. Um, and like the game just throws all this stuff at you, and it was just like the first. The way I play these kind of RPGs and, you know, even it's a habit I picked up from World of Warcraft, probably, where like you go to an area and you vacuum up all the quests and then you move to the next area. And, um, you know, I did it Dragon Age as well and, and all other RPGs. So when I first got to New Atlantis, I was like, okay, I'm going to do all the quests here before I go to the next place. But the quest there is just so lame. It's like, go and get me a coffee. 
go and yeah. go and you know <laughs> go doing and, that i was like what the shit yeah go go and find these uh usb sticks that i've lost you know stuff like <laughs> this and i was just like jeez if this is the whole game they got a problem but then i sort of had to remind myself that skyrim was like this fallout's like this oblivion was definitely like this and you don't you don't do those quests unless you really really want to and you have that extra context or whatever and you and you've already got yourself immersed so i was kind of thinking like okay i'm gonna play this more like it's um you know oblivion or skyrim and try and remind myself that really it's the the guild quests that you focus on or the faction quests really so i went straight into the you know the the uc vanguard quest chain with the terramorphs and then immediately i was like yes this is what i wanted you know and then i went into the pirate quest the crimson fleet which i absolutely loved and the climax of the crimson fleet quest i was doing that like i was doing that shit on hard difficulty with a level one ship and the culmination of that quest, I don't think it's a spoiler to say at this point. There's there's a big there's a big ship battle, you know. Uh, depending on how you do it, like you, you know. Um, but there, I got there, walled off from a certain part of that quest because I <laughs> fucked up the stealth like three different times, and he was like, "You are out of here." <laughs> I was like, "Oh no, man!" Like he actually booted me out. <laughs> yeah. So I mean that that kind of happened to me too, but it was like it kind of sets you off on the the. There's like two paths through that game that quest. You can either be an asshole pirate or you can be the spy on the spying on the pirates or be like a double agent or like a triple agent even. Um, mm. And, uh, but, but there's, there's lots of shit battles in that. And it was just so, I made it so difficult for myself. And then some later on, someone was just like, why don't you just lower the difficulty? I was like, oh was yeah, that oh, was you. Jess yeah, was like, I, I can't beat it. And I'm like, put yeah. it on easy. Yeah, he's like, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't do that. I beat it on uh-huh. hard difficulty after like literally doing it for th- like three or four hours from five in the morning till like 9am hadn't slept and I finally did it. And then Rand's like, why didn't you lower the difficulty? <laughs> and, um, but it was so epic, you know, it was just so epic once I sort of learned the ship combat as well. Cause a lot of people hate on the ship combat or, or see it as a chore or see it as, as pointless. And it, Todd Howard says it best. It's like the more you put into the game, the more it gives you. You know, you can either just like ignore the ship combat, and then like sometimes you'll come up against a ship combat mission that'll be really hard for you because you haven't developed any of your ship stuff. You know, so and then, but yeah, you can circumvent it by lowering the difficulty to like very easy just to do that stuff. I, I told one of our writers recently who who's complaining to me about the same thing, and I was like, just lower the difficulty. You know if you want to skip that that aspect of the game but um but there's there is something to be said about some of the criticism i think and that's mm-hmm. why like i just i gave it 9 out of 10 because of the highs are really high like those those you know certain main story missions and crimson fleet uh, there's like a couple of climactic moments in that quest chain which i really loved um that i felt like i hadn't that 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 I felt like had gone a little bit beyond what I expect of Bethesda, so it kind of felt like this is giving me more than what Fallout Four gave me, or certainly what mm. Fallout Seventy Six gave me. 
at launch <laughs> at least and i haven't done the fallout 4 dlc and you know i think i think it was actually you matty that said i need to go back and try that yeah, yeah kind of far harbor dlc yeah is, is far really good. so I'm, I'm waiting for the remaster to to come and do some of that stuff smart, um smart. but but there is something to be said like and you were saying like you like the zoom in faces and stuff but i like the character delivery so bad i think mm. and and it, it kind of it's unfortunate really for the game because it, it was sandwiched between cyberpunk's relaunch and it was sandwiched between Baldur's gate and both of those games have like full facial motion capture for every single cutscene, you know and but skyrim has this sort of and not skyrim starfield has this sort of vastness that kind of precludes it from being able to motion capture everything but right. i kind of feel like if you are gonna do that kind of game and you do want to make those trade-offs you've got to work a little bit harder to trick the audience i think in 2023 because there's so much out there that handles character delivery just way better now and i think it, it is getting to a point where the, the way they deliver some of this stuff is getting really dated like mm -hmm. i shouldn't they kind of like i had to adjust myself to i had to put myself into bethesda mode to play the game and remind myself this is what oblivion's like this is what fallout's like and like immerse myself in that and i can do it you know I, you do it when you watch like an old movie from the 70s or the 80s or something and like you know the, the 80s visual effects aren't as good as they can be now potentially like it, it, even like Practical effects these days are just way better than they were in the 80s or 70s. But you adjust to it, you know. You suspend your disbelief and you immerse yourself in it and use your imagination a little bit. Like I was playing, like, I've been playing Final Fantasy VII, the original recently, and Final Fantasy VI, and it's like, you, first glance, it's like Final Fantasy VII looks like ass. But then <laughs> you just kind of adjust to it, you know. But I think a lot of people, like, they don't care to make that investment to adjust the things, especially like if there's no nostalgia to sort of Brit to ease you into it, you know, like I I've got the nostalgia for Skyrim. I got the nostalgia for Fallout three and Fallout four and nostalgia for oblivion. So I was able to ease myself into that adjustment. But like, if I, if, if I was to tell, like, I don't know, some, uh, like a, a Gen Z person or someone even younger, you know, like yourself, mate. The, I knew, so, I knew the, it was coming. I was thinking about it today. I was like, what's the young girl going to be this time? I was like, how's he going to do it? Well, I, it just pops into my head then. But um, I, I couldn't help it. But, uh, but, but, but seriously, though, like, if I, if I was telling, you know, sometimes I bring up my, my younger cousin and, and she plays Genshin Impact and, and she's kind of like, she's kind of like my window to the psyche of a Gen Z gamer. I kind of feel like if I, if I was to try and tell her to play starfield she would not be able to get over the some of the dated feeling aspects of the game because she she's used to these sort of the photorealism of certain games and the the stylistic trendiness of like your cell shaded anime games and stuff like that i don't know man so yeah starfield um it was definitely i mean there was obviously a lot of console war bullshit uh, muddying the the discourse but um it, it yeah it's been quite a polarizing game hasn't it in a way can i can i say i don't not sure i mean i want to get your take i want to see what you think on this 
I'm not sure I've ever seen a game go through the ringer of whether you want to call it console warring or outlets looking to increase their SEO by comparing something to Starfield ever in since I've been kind of paying attention to this, like Starfield seemed to be like the punching bag for a lot of outlets, a lot of like fans. And it was always like, you know, they bring up the Baldur's Gate three versus uh Starfield comparison or the cyber like, Oh, cyberpunks way better than Starfield. you know, like cyberpunks research, like comparing it to Starfield, even though cyberpunk could come out three years earlier and has then it with Spider-Man now as well. Oh, yeah, and I've seen it with Spider-Man today. Like Spider-Man two is the anti Starfield. Like, I'm not sure I've seen a game go through the ringer as much as, as Starfield has. What do you, what do you think, Maddie? Is there some truth to that or is, or am I just kind of just misremembering? Yeah. No, I I don't think you're I don't think you're wrong. And I know just given we all cover a lot of Xbox stuff, a lot of people outside of the ecosystem will receive this incorrectly naturally that we're like trying to cope or some shit. But are we allowed to curse? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, sorry, just, just his channel, yes. As long okay. as yeah, yeah curse. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not, you know I don't get belligerent. I just want to make sure. Yeah. Um, I can fuck swear all you want. Man. <laughs> I I do think there is genuine criticism for Starfield and I get why it's a divisive game because Jez kind of touched on like giving a lot of yourself to it like I was one of the people speaking out saying when you review Starfield like there were I think GameSpot pulled the trigger on their verdict at 50 hours which traditionally 10 out of 10 times I'd be like that's enough but I just think Starfield is such a different beast and unlike any game we've played that it needs more time and I know the argument I always got for that was like how do you not know if you are going to like a game by that point, but Starfield is the only game I've played in years that I'm like 80 hours deep and I haven't scratched the surface of Outpost. I'm 90 hours deep and I'm still finding new mechanics in the game. It's showing me more stuff, um, you know, hidden mechanics and perks and so on and so forth. And I think part of the discourse around it has gotten so muddied because the game demands so much to understand. Like it shows its flaws first and then the strength second. So it's really easy to dog on the game for some. And for those who put in even respectable hours, like I threw 20 hours at the game. I don't like it. I threw 30 hour, hours at it. I don't like it. It's not like they're wrong. It's just that I think a lot of criticism starts to fade when you put more time into it. I didn't really feel like I was turning the corner for Starfield. And, you know, I get it. People think it's a bad thing until I hit like my 20th, 30th hour. I was like, okay, now I'm getting it. Now I understand what Starfield is because it's a new IP and it, plays different compared to fallout and elder scrolls but yeah you know i saw a lot of um comparisons being made and i think it's natural i mean you know the the, the intelligent conversation is all three of these games being Baldur's gate 3 cyberpunk and starfield do different things as rpgs and people should be able to recognize that while still being critical of each game individually like Baldur's gate 3 is about simulating the DD experience and it's about choice and consequence Whereas cyberpunk to me focuses more on immersive qualities um, and cinematic storytelling and Starfield is about freedom. While the freedom I don't think is as well captured. It's about freedom of choice to go wherever you want. Like each game handles choice drastically differently. And to me kind of nullifies a lot of the comparisons you can make. Like I could do one-to-ones of Starfield and cyberpunk shooting. And I think cyberpunk's a way better feeling game. I could one-to-one the level design of those two games, but I think on a choice level, to me, a lot of the criticism, like we could talk dialogue and delivery, that type of stuff. But I think um, a lot of the I think there's a lot of reaching for some comparisons, not all, just some. 
And I, I, I think because it's such an easily accessible game and it shows its flaws so quickly, um, I think that's why the discourse has been awful. It's it's been off putting. Like as a creative, it's it's been hard to want to make Starfield videos because everyone just and I get it. It's the internet uh, thinks it's an open invitation to sling eight million shots at the game, and and it's not about protecting the game. It's just like I as a human being have a a, a threshold for negativity. I do. Yeah. Um, and I just don't need to hear it every single time I talk about a game. Like I want to talk about various aspects of the game um but yeah I, I i am surprised how divisive it was but i mean in my initial impressions i said the game's not going to be for everybody and, and i mean that much has proven to be uh, quite true so uh, in a sense going according to how i expected after playing it but uh yeah the console war dribble i mean it's at an all-time high it really is it sure um, is especially and, now and, after the activision blizzard stuff yeah yeah it, mm -hmm. yeah and and there's no denying this, too. I think a lot of Xbox fans are pissed because even though I think Starfield's what Xbox needed, like if you look at them as a business, the game hit 10 million players super quick. It's doing really well. It's still a top played Xbox game month after launch. Like it's doing everything it had to. Absolutely. Uh, but I think a lot of people are we're in this era where we're really hung up on open critic aggregates and yep. um, seeing how it's slate, how it's laid out. It I think it's at an 86 now, which is a great score. Um but I think a lot of the Xbox fan base is a little frustrated. They're like, man, you know, we we couldn't get the 90 plus here either. And then Forza comes out, which I thought was a, you know going to be a slam dunk from the outside looking in. Oh, there's the 90 plus. Nope. Uh, so I think there's a lot of anger on both sides. And 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 that's where you're getting, um, you know, just I'm seeing videos on Twitter. of Just some of the weirdest shit, man. It's 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 bad out there. But I'm trying not to let Twitter paint my perception of the entirety of of gaming yeah i mean i saw i knew it was bad when i saw an article it was like uh it was it was an article by somebody it was uh essentially like it's been a month and i've completely forgotten about starfield but here's my article about starfield <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean it's like yeah. i've yeah. completely forgotten about starfield oh, it's man. been a month but here's my it's like wow and, and i think you are the, right the, i think the game dra drives traffic i mean that's sure why does. a lot of people are still talking about it um but there's definitely i don't think starfield had the staying power um there's a a brand i'm i'm working with for a uh in the 60 second ad um and it involves like gaming accessories and i was gonna do a starfield video and show this accessory with starfield and there was like a request like no we actually don't want to do starfield anymore so there's definitely something in the numbers that shows like either the the conversation is as engaging as they want it to be or that they're not like it might be so negative. I don't know the hows and whys of it, but it might be so negative that they're like, you know what? Like we just don't want to put it with the King Kong game, please. Put it put it with the King Kong game. Is that what yeah. they said? Oh. Yeah, right. That, there you go. That's what you want to be with. Yeah, <laughs> Skull with Island, baby. Yeah. yeah. Um. So okay, there's a couple more Bethesda things I wanted to talk about uh, since we have you here. Um. One, the first being is the news that happened yesterday. With mm -hmm. we have Pete Hines leaving, retiring. Not not like moving on to a different company, but he says he's retiring. Yeah. We have Will Shen, who was, I believe, Starfield Lead Quest designer. He's yeah. left and joined another studio that was founded by Bethesda people. Um, and somebody else left as well, but I I'm I'm blanking on the name. Oh, I might have missed the third one. Um, at this moment. Uh how how are we feeling? what do we think about these high profile departures? Clearly they waited until Starfield was shipped decided to leave um what do you what do you think about all this 
Pete Hines is one that doesn't really surprise me. Um, 24 years of the company and, you know, been there since the very beginning. And after Fallout 76, um, I'm not saying like I know him personally, personally, but like Pete definitely changed. Like he used to be extremely engaged with the community. Like he would you like I would make news videos based off his Twitter replies in the old YouTube days. Like I would have content and information because he would just be an outlet for that kind of like how todd howard would be the spokesperson for starfield like pete was kind of that for a while but 76 came out and like he got fucking hammered mm -hmm. with a capital h and uh yeah it was it was bad man and so he just he just broke off from the community and stopped interacting and i i mean 76 was inexcusable but i can't blame him like it was it was pretty pretty aggressive and so um when you see the leaked emails, I'd be curious to get your guys' thoughts on it. Like, there was a leaked email of Pete notably kind of annoyed with how Xbox was handling yeah. things. And a lot of people are reading into that. And the, the retirement is like, you know, maybe he was never happy there in the first place. The way I'm looking at it is we're talking about a guy who's been there for 24 years. He's not moving on to a new opportunity. He was the head of publishing at Bethesda, climbed up the ladder. I imagine when they got bought out, he got a nice, meaty payout, as he should. And... When you launch a game like Starfield, the first new IP in, in, they said, 25 years, so that's one year off of the whole time he's been there. I mean, that's pretty full circle. That's a pretty good time to call it quits when you've had as great of a career as Pete has had. Mm. So I don't, a lot of people wanted to fear monger this exit, like, oh, he's out. But I said in my video, I mean, we are, we've talked a lot about Kodak, and I think because um, Bobby Kodak is someone people want out, we're not looking at it objectively where a lot of big execs in the next couple of years as Xbox continues to gobble up these publishers are going to fly out um, because they're going to get a big payout. They're going to be set. They've likely already had money stashed away because of their high up positions. Uh, it makes retiring a little more easier, a little more tantalizing perhaps. Um, I don't know Pete's reasoning behind it, but um, you know, he's a great guy and uh, it's, and you know, I've, I've had the, the, the privilege if you will, of, of sitting down and chatting with him a lot, specifically at the fallout 76 event. Um, you know, he was, you know, it's someone who was like put his face on a, a Heinz ketchup bottle as a joke for a thumbnail. Uh, he was far more gracious to me than I, I really uh, deserved. Granted, I was like 19 at the time, but still like, he'd have been like this fucking kid, like get the hell out of here. But he was very nice. Uh, he was always open to conversation and and loved what he did. And so I think he's definitely one of those guys that I just couldn't see him at another company. Um, I think he was like a Bethesda lifer, if you will. Um, so to me, I'm not too surprised that he's out after Starfield. Uh, but it is scary. And if you've covered Bethesda for a while and you know, like these are the, the, the winds of change are blowing through now. And like, you know, everyone immediately goes like, well, when's Todd Howard out? Like, when is Todd going? Mm. Um so Tom goes when Phil goes. Yeah, honestly, I could see that. And and that's another scary era for Xbox in general. Not because like you know, everything rides on Phil, but so many people are buying into the vision of Xbox because of Phil. So it's like, you know, man, you know what happens when, when that's that when I mean, we when enter the Sarah Bond era. Yeah, I'm I have been a big Sarah Bond follow-up kind of uh I've had that mindset for a while too. Like I think she's the perfect successor. I think she could lead now. Um you know, but we'll see what we'll cross that bridge when we get there. <laughs> Who knows when? But yeah, that's that's how I'm feeling about P9's exit. I I've seen a lot of fear mongering about it. Um, but I think Star I think the Starfield check hit for a lot of these guys and gals, and it's 
it's time to look at new adventures. Um, you know, certainly he's given a lot of time to the company. So even if he wanted a new adventure, um, I get it. I mean, like people also have to recognize like this industry has to evolve past the names we know and we're familiar with like Larry Herb has moved on. I don't know if he's fully retired, but he's moved on from Xbox. Like his whole tagline was Xbox Live's Major Nelson. So, um, you know, a lot of people, I think, need to to like watch more sports and like see how like legends retire and they, they mm-hmm. get out of the game for a while. And then maybe they come back as a commentator. And so it wouldn't surprise me if maybe Pete like came back in an advisory role. Mark Dara retired from Bioware and then he came back to advise on Dragon Age Dreadwolf. Yeah. Wasn't so, there somebody, Jez, that retired from Blizzard and then came back to run World of Warcraft we were talking about last week? Yeah, Something? Chris Metzen. Chris Metzen um, was one of the co-founders of Blizzard, co-creators of mm. Warcraft, and he's been he's been back as a consultant for a few months, and then over the summer, joined fully as creative director for Warcraft again. So that was completely unexpected, you know. Um, I I do think some of it has to do with like, okay, you get Bethesda, we're waiting. Right, we waited a couple years for the fruit, the tree to bear fruit, which it finally did this year with Hi-Fi Rush and Starfield, and well, not so much Redfall, but at least there was three games, right? And mm. you look at the future, and it was like, like okay, like this is great, and now all of a sudden, Mikami leaves, right? Yeah. Pete now leaves, Will Shen leaves, yeah. and it's just like, okay, how often is this going to happen? We haven't seen too many people leave from like Xbox Game Studios. Uh, when they acquired him, like the the guy's still there from Ninja Theory. Fergus is still there at Obsidian. Uh, the Inexile peeps are still there. Uh, but I think you are right. It was I, I don't really think Pete held a lot of like love for Xbox, quote unquote. And like in the emails that you did mention, I did bring that up to Jez during Xbox too. I was like, I felt like the dude kind of felt a little salty. Yeah. I do re- you remember when it was like, oh, Starfield's exclusive, and he was out there being like, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry to all yeah. the PlayStation <laughs> players. Like, there's nothing I could do. I don't know. He he sort of, maybe, I, I, I just got the sense that he wasn't going to be very long uh, working for Xbox with the, with the way some of that stuff was going on. And, I mean, he's, he's retiring because he's probably got a huge fat check from the acquisition. <laughs> But I think it, the, to the larger point of how tough these things are, because you acquire, and me and Jez were talking about this before you joined, you acquire these companies, you have all the talent and all the IP, and the IP stays, but some of the talent is like, I don't want to work here, or I'd rather go do something else. Mm-hmm. So then you're looking at it like, well, who else is going to leave? Like you mentioned Todd. Now, I think Todd stays. Uh, but you never know. What if Todd decides to leave after Indiana Jones? He's ex- executive producing, right? What it's possible Todd... just because yeah. Indiana Jones is like a dream game for him. You know, it, it really is. So, um, I, you know, I, I think that's the stuff we're not privy to. Like, I always wonder if they're like, when you're buying Bethesda, right? They have uh, games that appeal across the globe, but you know, you understand that BGS is is probably the kind of the breadwinner of the bunch when you're buying them. And I wonder if there's like deal signed, like Todd, you got to hang around for another ten years before, um, uh, when we when we finalize this acquisition. Like I do wonder if those are things done under the table, um, to make sure there's like a, a company wide buy in, so to say, um, you know, because I, I feel like then there's a guarantee because you buy the company and the IP there's something there, but like, you know, we're learning more this generation than any other, that there is talent levels to this and that you can't just 
buy IP and it'll all be good uh, because we've seen excellent IP uh, and license deals. And we were making a joke about Kong. Maybe that's a, a loose example, but Avatar Quest for Balance, like that's, I think many developers would kill to use to, to make an Avatar video game. And that's one of the worst games of the year, Lord of the Rings Gollum. So we're learning that even if you have the IP or the license, that it doesn't matter if you don't have the talent or the funds. And so I think Xbox will have the funds covered, but they have to be careful on talent retention in my eyes. I think they really do need to be safe on that. Um, just because if you lose that and you're just left with IP, um, then you can end up being labeled as someone who does a disservice to the IP now that it's under your name, if that makes sense. Right. No. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree on that. Um, now we also have a, uh, roadmap that leaked from Bethesda. Oh yeah. And I just told, I gotta, I gotta give your thought. I gotta get your thoughts on this. How are you feeling about this? The roadmap that leaked from 2020 that featured stuff like a Dishonored three, a Ghostwire Tokyo two, a doom year zero, uh, three Indiana Jones games, a Project Platinum, a, a whole bunch of stuff. I, I know you've covered this and you've talked about it. Um, but what are your what do you, are you excited? Are you a little apprehensive? Are you like some of this stuff can't be true? I've <laughs> I've talked to Cog, I've talked to Co- uh, Cognito about this stuff and we've had some disagreements about certain things. But because um, I thought it was pretty impressive personally, mm-hmm. I was like Dishonored three. Oh fuck yeah, please yeah. Uh, but then it's like, but after Redfall, who's making it? Like, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Doom Year Zero, surprising, because I, I thought they'd be done with Doom, considering how the story wrapped up with uh, mm-hmm. Ancient Gods 2. So how are you feeling about their roadmap? Uh, I mean, it it's, it was definitely one of those leaks that when I saw it, it, it felt like, oh, this is one of those fake leaks. You know, when you mm, see the list yeah. and you're like, oh, this is so unbelievably good. Like, no shot. It's real. Um and I think, you know, Rand, you and I talked a bit about it. There are definitely games on that list that I think no longer are in development. Like, I, I would be, I would love to be wrong. I'd be very surprised about Dishonored 3 when I really pull out of the hype of like, oh, Dishonored 3. If I really look at it objectively, you know, that's a game that like, if you're from looking from the business perspective, like Dishonored got put on ice, Prey didn't do well. You went to go do Redfall as this live service approach. So none of these are really winning. And the real true winner of the bunch is Deathloop. Yep. And that is the game that, you know, even though I'm not a crazy big fan of it, has earned the right to do a sequel. And now that it's confirmed to share a universe in Dishonored, it's like, well, why would you make Deathloop 2 and Dishonored 3 unless Deathloop 2 includes Dishonored characters, which would be an amazing kind of surprise twist. I'd be for it. I'd be for that. Yep. I would be as well, man. But I feel like Dishonored 3 is one I can't imagine. Ghostwire Tokyo 2 as well. That's a little surprise. I haven't played to- Ghostwire Tokyo, but that would be a little surprising to me as well. I would dig seeing that um, just because I like that Tango has been really flexing their creative muscles. But again, you go to the recent success. Hi-Fi Rush killed it. Killed it. It was better than any game. I loved the Evil Within 1. Not crazy about 2, but... Hi-Fi Rush was better than anything that company's ever put out. And it wasn't even a horror game, which is their studio DNA. So now you got to let them... Now they've earned the right. They've moved up that that ladder. They deserve to make whatever they want. It's probably a Hi-Fi Rush sequel with more playable characters, more DMC-like. I mean, Xbox is sitting on a gold mine with that one. So um, I think that's another one that's probably not happening. But man, you know, I, I naturally, I see the Oblivion remake. I'm like, okay... 
open-minded to this one because the dungeons like you know of course at the time in 2006 oblivion was really impressive but those dungeons if you go back to them now they're the same like one person made all the dungeons in the game so they're all just one guy yeah one guy (laughs) guy. right and it's impressive when there's 300 plus of them but you know that's why they're all kind of the same layouts and the same assets are used of course they are you know it's it's one guy. Um, it was when Bethesda was a sub 100 team and um, they, they, they were punching way above their weight. Um, so it was impressive then, but a remake now, I mean, you look at sky oblivion. I mean, Bethesda's playing with fire if they fuck this one up. Um, and then uh, fallout three remaster, uh, the, the, the timing couldn't be better with the fallout TV show. So very excited about that one. Naturally. Uh, I think the fallout, I know elder scrolls is kind of need an answer. So I like that. What I'm seeing here is Bethesda, seems to identify that both franchises need to not starve um and that i think a fallout remaster now would be good good timing for one because then it would push the timeline back a little bit with a new release and we could hopefully after avowed in the outer worlds 2 look into a new vegas 2 and see if that gets going so you think see the TV stuff? I I do agree with you that there'll be Fallout related things for the TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that they're doing the Fallout Four free update, four K sixty. So you also think they'll probably drop a, the Fallout Three remaster around the same time, huh? I think it makes sense, but given that the timeline was made like mid to pre COVID, yeah, yeah, it's like now that's not reliable information timeline wise, but it's it's the leak timing is is scary good because it's like okay we have the leaked fallout tv show trailer which looks right now way better than i thought it would and my prediction is still they're going to drop that on the great war date october 23rd as sort of like a hey we'll see you next year like this is your first look at the fallout tv show um and you have the fallout 4 next gen update which is which is cooking right like that's that's in the oven it's probably done at this point um, they're just holding back for that. Uh, but I just feel like where do you, if you're Bethesda, right? And I'm curious what your guys' answer to this would be. If you're Bethesda and you're looking at what CD Projekt Red did, most likely, which is like, hey, here's Edge Runners and look at the player count now. Here's the Witcher TV show, look at the player count now with Witcher 3. Where do you want to direct your player base? Do you want to direct them toward a free update? Or do you want to direct them towards your live service offering in what may be part two of Atlantic city for 76, or do you direct them towards a new release? And I feel like you have a good reason for all of them, but if you're a business and you're trying out, you're trying to make money and reach a mainstream, like a new fallout per me three remaster, I think just prints cash on its own. And now you throw in a TV show there that if it's good, which it looks good, um, it's going to drive even more. It, it's kind of like what happened with the last of us part one, uh remake or whatever and and the hbo show like it just printed money for naughty dog printed money for playstation so i'm curious what you guys think would be the most sensible route because i mean do you do all three is it just a technically four if you include the show like i that seems kind of insane to me but um what do you guys stand on i didn't really think like that because i like i was like yeah you know you could do fallout 3 and have the upgraded fallout 4 but that fallout 76 didn't even enter my mind Mm. right because they they're consistently updating that game 
then I was like, okay, when do you when do you release Fallout Three? Do you release it at the beginning of the season uh, of the show? Do you release it towards the end? Does right. that interfere with people who are coming back to essentially play Fallout Four? Do you want multiple Fallout games on there so people can jump from Fallout Three to Fallout Four if they haven't played it to Fallout Seventy Six? Is kind of like a progression line. Um, and like my my thing with Fallout Three is how's it actually going to look? Because we're talking. Yeah, mid to 360 gen game, right? That was 2000 and not, 2009, right? 2008, yeah, yeah. 2008. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Can you really just do a nice little up-res and that's about it? Because I'm playing Alan Wake Remastered right now and prep for Alan Wake 2. Mm. And like they didn't do much to the visuals outside of up-resing them. At least the combat, they improved to 60 frames so it feels good to play. But it's not really like what I would call a looker. And Fallout 3 wasn't a looker even back in 2008 sure. standards. So it's like, is a modern audience going to like look at Fallout 3 and just be off-put by the visuals? And just You know, because like, I guess how, how much of a remaster or a remake is this? Um, I don't know. There's, I guess there's a lot of questions. Jez, what do you think? Because, you, you, I mean, you, you got to talk about Fallout because you're not getting a new Fallout 5 until 2035 either. Uh, <laughs> right? Man. So, I mean, there's not a, it's not like there's a new Fallout game coming anytime soon. I mean, it, it, I mean, Matt, you already said it. It was kind of like they, they can't be in a situation where the IP starve, I guess. And I think, how do you handle that? How do you handle that? You have to spin up more teams, don't you? Um. Mm. They, uh, they, we get in an Elder Scrolls mobile game, which is basically, from what I understand, it's Fallout Shelter Elder Scrolls, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, but like, we've got Fallout Shelter 2 in China, which is only released over there for some reason, I guess because it's a pay to win hellscape. But like, when it comes to mainline games, yeah. I, I, I don't think the up-res is enough to cut through to those Gen Z gamers that I was talking about. I kind of think, I feel like there needs to be, there needs to be a Fallout 5, you know, they need to announce it and it's, it's going to be, it's going to be another one of them. When did they announce Elder Scrolls 6? 2018. 2018? Right alongside Starfield. Yep. Long time oh, ago. Yeah. So... You know, do they do they want to do that with Fallout Five? You know, is Fallout Five even a twinkle in Todd's eye right now? Probably isn't. You know, he's got all in on Elder Scrolls Six, and that might be his last game. You know, um, it's feasible, right? It's feasible that Elder Scrolls Six could be Todd's last game, and then who who takes over from Fallout and Elder Scrolls? Then you know, um. The timelines we're talking about are just crazy because these games are getting bigger and bigger and we're sitting there, or well, at least I'm sitting here, saying like they can't keep shipping the games with this sort of stiff character acting that they've been doing. So what does that mean? Do they, do they use mocap? Do they develop some kind of technology based on ChatGPT or something to generate more realistic animations? I don't know. But either way, it's going to be a million years and I suppose... When you when you say things like they shouldn't let the IP starve, I kind of feel like it's inevitable. Um, even with the remasters, I don't think remasters are enough to rekindle 
love of the franchise. Um, mm. I think then they need to do somewhat more. You know, I wouldn't. It could be cool if they did like I don't know, drop another Fallout Four expansion or something. I don't know. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would. I, mean, I would they, be down. They've for moved that. on from that. But so, so, if you had to rate your excitement for Bethesda, the Bethesda roadmap on a scale of one to ten out of the games on that list, where would you where would you put it, Maddie? Uh, oh man, I mean, probably a ten. Like, I'm not ten? gonna, yeah. yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I, I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, we because we have you got to include like the things that we already know. Like, we know sick Elder Scrolls Six is on the way, right? Um, even if it's forever away, it's still what on the way. They're supposed to come in 2025. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we already know based off that list that's not happening. Yeah, we're not getting Elder Scrolls Six in a couple of years, as much as I would like that. But uh, I'm very excited for that one because I think the procedural tech in Starfield will actually lend itself better to ES Six as I look at it. Um, because unless something changes dramatically in Elder Scrolls lore, like you're not going to be able to do the vertical exploration that I was hoping Starfield would do in space. You're going to have to uh, do it all horizontal. And so that the horseback riding has to be improved. And uh, there's going to be like bigger battles because we saw how big the spaceship battles are. So I wonder if they're going to do like wars and really capture it well on like Skyrim. So, you know, that's exciting. Of course, Fallout 3 remaster, of course, you know, the, the Oblivion remake, very keen on those, even if like we know Virtuos is working on, uh, the Oblivion remake, which is kind of scary because I think they're the ones who handled the Outer World Spacer Choice Spacer's Choice Edition, which Ooh, was that was a disaster, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's the rumor right now because at first the leak happened on Reddit and people were like, "Yeah, okay," but then this list leaked and there was Oblivion remake and people went, oh, "Hold up, now, hold on, this guy actually may have been right," and it was in that information that I think he said it was virtual. So. Um, you know, I'm, it's like reservations, but if I'm looking at the list, like just IP wise and sequel wise, uh, I'm very excited. What do you, what I've, I'm trying to pick people's brains on this. What do you reckon is the licensed game there? So I had this theory that it was whatever roundhouse is working on because there was a job listing or not job listing. Sorry. It was a, it was a LinkedIn. It was Brad Fawaz who I think he's a game designer at, uh, at roundhouse, and uh, it said it's like based on a comic book IP, the game they're working on. So I'm guessing it's them. I mean, they're under the Bethesda banner, but this was apparently in development before. Um, I think they were originally Human Head, and then they left their original parent company and rejoined Bethesda under a new brand. Um, so I'm just wondering what what you guys would wager as a guess for this, because a lot of folks with Spider-Man 2 now out or, or, or coming out soon are thinking like, man, you know, it'd be, uh, it'd be great if Xbox got one of these kinds of games. Like, yeah, we got Indiana Jones, but, you know, a, a Marvel-style game, a DC game, um, a Star Wars game, something exclusive that's a big pop culture IP. So what do you guys make of that one? Because to me, that's kind of the anomaly. Yeah, so you got the Indiana Jones stuff, which I was surprised it was a trilogy. I was mm. like, okay, three games. I, where's Wolfenstein, Maddie? <laughs> Where, where's I, yeah yeah I guess that game's dead or whatever but either way yeah. maybe they're working on uh, young blood too man oh, oh my god please no <laughs> let but, it be please <laughs> yeah the other the other uh licensed game there was like a rumor based off a job listing that roundhouse was working on something i think it was marvel related but it was pvp or pvp oh, no. or something yeah something like, like that, extraction right? yeah, shit, I or say that that's 
Sounds right. And I could see that because maybe that stuff was signed when they were doing their whole we need multiplayer co-op stuff, potentially. Oh, yeah, maybe. And then it's just like, I don't know about that anymore. Like, uh, Roundhouse, what is I mean, what has Roundhouse even really done? There's a part of me that thinks like Roundhouse has taken over Redfall, although I have no like basis of, I'm just, you know, like I, maybe it's because I want Arcane uh, Austin to be going on to work on something else. Mm. And I'm just but like, Arcane yeah, Austin, just, like, it's it's funny because people always say like okay, and Austin should work on Prey Two or something, but there were people coming out saying like the the team that made Prey Two doesn't exist, uh, Prey One doesn't exist anymore. Like yeah. Arkane Austin has like been gutted as a studio, and 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 that's why Redfall is, looks the way it does. You know, it's just a bunch of new staff working on the the bones of the code of that engine. Um, but it's. Yeah, like Roundhouse, no idea what they're working on. There's a bunch of studios at Xbox, really, under Xbox, I should say, that have a bit of a question mark over them. You know, Roundhouse mm-hmm. is one of them. It's like, what are they working on, if anything? And if they do work on something, is it are they going to produce quality? Or are they just, you know, shipping whatever, you know, desperate service game Zenimax was working on, like, akin to Redfall, you know? Like, um... Jason Schreier from Bloomberg, he put out that people from Arcane were hoping that Microsoft would just come in and cancel the project. You know, mm. um, maybe Roundhouse is work. I hope not, but maybe Roundhouse is working on some kind of project like that. I would hope after Redfall that Microsoft will have learned its lesson and not to ship just junk that's half baked for the sake of it being nearly finished. But I don't know, man. You just don't. You just don't know. But there was nothing about Roundhouse in the leak, right? Because the leak was quite old. Well, there was. Yeah, there was no like studios tied to any. Like, I guess you could say, all right, who's making? You know, like who's making uh, Dishonored Three? And you'd be like, well, that would probably be Arcane Leon. But I agree with Maddie because I was telling Cog, I'm like, I don't really think Dishonored Three exists. I, I think maybe it was like a pitch back in 2020 that after Deathloop, we'll go do Dishonored Three. Because they probably felt that Deathloop wasn't really going to set the world on fire like a lot of Arcane games. Mm-hmm. And then Deathloop actually was critically acclaimed. I think it did well, not only on PlayStation where, you know, Sony was, we need exclusives and Bethesda's in a situation like, we want money, here you go. But then it was on Game Pass and it seemed to do very well. So it was like, if you're Arcane Leon and you're working on something... And you have a choice of like what we want to do next. I'd be like, yeah, we're doing Deathloop two next, maybe yeah. with some Dishonored stuff. And even like, and, and I was even telling Kai, I was like, Ghostwire Tokyo two. How would they even know? Well, it's on there, so they must have thought. And it was like, yeah, they probably had discussions, and maybe they thought it would be bigger or whatever. But they had no idea how big Hi-Fi Rush was going to be. And if I'm Xbox and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I, I'm 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 signing up Hi-Fi Rush two, bigger, better, 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 right? Yeah. I'm not saying that they couldn't do both because Ghostwire Tokyo or because um, uh, Tango does have two teams, so I mean they could uh, pull off both. And 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 Ghostwire Tokyo has play has six million players, so I mean they could do both if they wanted to. But if I'm betting on a, a, a franchise, I'm betting on Hi-Fi Rush rather than Ghostwire Tokyo because Ghostwire Tokyo was cool, but it was it's one of those games that was like really had a lot of interesting ideas and then it overstated its welcome. Uh, I know you didn't play it, Maddie, but it was like, oh man, this is really cool. It's got some cool stuff. And, but it was all based, like a lot of it was based around collectibles 
Mm. And like the entire last act was just not needed. It, it was like, it, it seemed like to go on too long, but I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, what the Bethesda game, especially its game. Like, yeah. okay, well, you know, what is a doom year zero and, or what, <laughs> even what is uh you know, w- you mentioned like, Hey, about the, uh, the license IP. What if that is project Kestrel, which is supposedly, uh, the Zenimax online teams game that they've been working on for quite some time. That could be a license IP of some sort. Couldn't it like a license IP MMO potentially? Um, I don't think it is. You don't I think it I, is. Yeah. I, I'm of the mindset with that one that I think if I'm, I'm just putting myself in their shoes. I mean, people were originally trying to report it was a Mandalorian MMO, which I'm like that. <laughs> no offense. That makes no fucking sense. Like, what is that? <laughs> Why is it? Why is it? It's not a Star Wars MMO. Why is it a Mandalorian MMO? But that was like the original report from a couple of people, and it just never made sense to me. And but it caught fire anyway. And um, if I'm Zenimax, though, like you already are working with someone else's IP in Elder Scrolls Online, which they're seemingly planning to support even beyond Kestrel. Um, and so I think it's going to be their own thing. Like I think that you know because they have dedicated jobs at Zenimax Online that are like people who call. Bethesda Game Studios to to get lore <laughs> Elder Scrolls and and like dudes who study the lore bible of Elder Scrolls and it's like I'm sure they would still have that sort of stuff for um their own game but like now you don't need to maybe hire someone to know lore for someone else's game like you can just you can just do it right um you can just make your own and, and control your own will so I mean that's how I personally look at things with Zenimax, I think they would want to control their own destiny for once since they spent uh, next year, 10 years working on Elder Scrolls. Like, you know, I think they've earned the right to do their own thing. So I'd be surprised if they were not doing that now. Right. Okay. Uh, switching gears. I guess we got to talk about ABK now. Mm. This is the other big, big news that happened last week. Um, it's official, Maddie. No more talking about... Uh, court cases in your videos or my <laughs> videos or whatever you don't have to talk about the minutia of what's going on with it because it's closed there's still some ftc shenanigans that might go on later in the year but microsoft officially owns abk mm-hmm. so um where are you at right now i mean are you super excited i mean i'm excited it's finally done and over with for the first first and foremost but when you look at xbox and like what is the first thing you would like to see the abk stuff like because i'll give you an example for me abk i understood why xbox bottom like covered all the bases of their business right mobile pc console game pass everywhere right it fit every single thing microsoft was looking for but personally it was like well mm, i yeah i play cod every year but i played for the campaign and it's like uh, okay i was much more interested in bethesda right yeah way more but that's the hit all the notes for me and i know they hit all the notes for you yeah. so when i look at abk personally because you know blizzard who cares right like we yeah. ain't we ain't <laughs> jazz right we don't we, whatever you know blizzard, we're not blizzard fanboys or at least i don't think you are but maybe you are i am not <laughs> and king we don't we don't do mobile we understand the importance of mobile phil's talked about it all the time so when i look at it personally i was just like yeah you know i get it from the business it makes xbox sort of untouchable uh, you know, increases their revenue to like Sony levels, gives them like more power, more prestige, more monthly active users, more games as a service. 
But there's a part of me that's like, man, I really hope they can pull some of these studios off the Call of Duty engine and just kind of make some other some other games or whatever. So I guess along that lines, like, how do you personally feel about the deal? Uh, are you looking to anything that they currently make, or and what would be your future wants and desires from an ABK with Xbox? So from an excitement level on ABK, um, I would say very little. Uh, I think the initial excitement's gone because we've talked about it for so long. So that's why I answer it that way. 20 months. 20 months. Yeah. Like we've gone through (laughs) the ringer on this one. Right. But um, if I think about what would excite me, actually, no, before I get to that, I think a big reason the way I'm, I'm, I'm standing on this one is, um, you know, there's been a lot of, I think in some instances, unfair and fair excuse making for Xbox as they kind of get their first party in order. Um, they've definitely taken a long time with those studios. They announced they were buying in 2018 longer than I think any of us ever expected for them to deliver their next games. And the real hope is to me out of everything, those have to deliver because those have been in the can for so long, like South of midnight and Hellblade Two. You know, I have confidence in them, but you know, they, they, you know, that is something that we never expected to be, or at least I shouldn't say we, I didn't expect to be waiting so long for so then you get Bethesda, and without Bethesda, I mean, oh my god, dude, you look at this year even, with Hi-Fi Rush, yes, Redfall wasn't bad, but you have that in the mix, and then you have Starfield, like, this would have been another Forza Minecraft year for Xbox, mm. so yeah. I look at that, and I think, man, like, you know, that was a great purchase for them short-term, and we're looking at the list there long-term, and, and that's what's exciting. Um, but we Oh, shit. do this now joking like i I do think that game's great but i uh... people forget about it right because either they don't realize it's like xbox global publishing or it's like yeah it's just not something that sticks. It's it's not a sexy game. Let's let's yeah, be real. Yeah, like it's, it's it, you know like people were calling it even though it's it's true. Um, they were calling it like the GTA loading screen game and stuff. It's like a PowerPoint you know, just, presentation. The game. Yeah, yeah. Just being real ice cold to them, but uh, I think they delivered something good there. But let's be honest, they're they may be great games, but they're not going to sell consoles. They're not going to get you excited to fire up your box as much as you would hope. Um, and so with Activision, the fold. Sorry, I'm long winded answer getting here. The reason I'm not initially excited is, you know, they they got a lot to prove. Like they have to they have to deliver now. Like there is no more excuses when you have I don't even know the studio count now. I don't know if either of you have it on hand, but No God, it's it's huge. I saw um Clobril posted this massive chart that sort of details in this vast web every studio and every IP. We're talking dozens upon dozens of franchises that they own the trademark for, and then even more employees. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's a insane amount, which presents another problem in how does Xbox handle all of this? So yes. we'll see that. But you know, the way the way I'm looking at it as a consumer is okay. You have a lot of studios. You have a lot of games. You should be giving me multiple exclusives a year. 
There's no mm-hmm. excuse anymore. Like starting next year, I need I need at least three on my platform well, per well, year. You know, Maddie, what if there aren't any ABK exclusives? There's that to kind of potentially yeah. consider, right? Like we know that Call of Duty's multi-plat for X amount of years, mm-hmm. but they may decide not to have any exclusives from ABK, even though they've sort of said there will be. I mean, there's always that potentiality. Like if they do a Spyro 4, for example, is that an exclusive? Is that multiplat? Because it does have legacy on PlayStation uh, systems, or even like a revival of Guitar Hero. Does yeah. the business model of a revival of a Guitar Hero need other all the platforms to work? Can it really just be successful on Xbox alone? Those are things you got to consider too. You know. Yeah, and, and that's what's tough is is when you look at the Bethesda exclusives we got, we never really got an a- honest, open answer on how established IP is going to work on the platform, which is, I guess, a good thing and a bad thing. Like, we've wanted new IP on Xbox for a while, right? Mm -hmm. And now we're getting it. But now you get another new publisher in the fold, and you realize, like, wait, they've had Bethesda for years now, and we haven't seen a Fallout or Elder Scrolls. Like, we haven't seen an established Doom, Dishonored, uh, et cetera, et cetera. We haven't seen these come around where we could look at them and say, okay, so they made Doom exclusive or something. We have nothing to base it off of. So your your point's entirely accurate. I'm just assuming they will lock some of yeah. this stuff down because I just feel if you want to drive people to Game Pass and, and, and more importantly, use Game Pass as this bargaining chip to make your way to Nintendo, to make your way to eventually PlayStation as many screens as possible with this Game Pass app, you've got to make the service like undeniable where companies can gain just by having you on their platform um but to me as a consumer it's like you have a stupid amount of games in the pipeline from first party now alone um let alone third party deals uh, day one game pass deals which i know this is kind of like a a cheat but to me feel like console they have that console exclusive feel of like this is the best place to play this i'm i'm getting bang for my buck here with the service i've been engaging with for years like this is where i want to be they have the potential to just have a dominant ecosystem, but like they have to deliver. They have to have content. It has to be good, which is kind of the big challenge here because we saw how Redfall, the worst reviewed Xbox exclusive, I think out of the last two generations, um, yeah. that just apparently went under Phil's nose. And at first I went, okay, okay, dude. But you see that email leak where he's like, talking about how we can never have a 2022 again mm-hmm. and that our next major beat is Redfall, where hopefully that delivers like they had no fucking clue at all that that game was that bad and now you've just expanded how many studios you have by over a dozen easily um it's a lot to maintain it's a lot to manage so uh very interested to see how they how they maneuver all of that as well i think they thought Redfall was i think their mock reviews had Redfall in the 70s which yeah it's it's like yeah that's not really great that's not what you should be aiming for from a first party uh you know but i i I think they were like oh it'll be a 75 it'll be okay and then it comes in at like a 50 56 or whatever it was you know yeah so it took them but i mean phil didn't mention like the fact that you know we you you brought up 2022 he mentioned how that was a disaster for them Mm -hmm. and then like it's funny because we criticize Xbox for that. And then some people were like, no, no, don't criticize. And then it's like, it was, it was awful. And, and then like some of these, some of the Xbox fans are like, Oh, you guys are being too harsh on it. And then you get the email from Phil being like, this is a complete disaster. And we need yeah. to make sure it literally never, ever happens again. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah, well, of course. Um, 
so what would you what would you like to see from the con studios? Because Beanox just Jez, what did Beanox just do? They just kind of um, um, don't they don't they support Call of Duty? I think no, but I, I was talking about their studio. Didn't didn't they like kind of redesign their? Oh, logo they rebranded. Or, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they're rebranded. Completely yeah. rebranded, which is you know odd if you're really just going to be a, a you know a Call of Duty support studio for the rest of your existence. Why do you need a studio rebrand? Um, so do you have any like wishes for older Activision IP to come back or any of the Activision teams to work on Xbox games if they can pry these studios away from the COD machine or are you just kind of like, eh, whatever I get, I get from it. I am not as optimistic as others about them kind of stripping down the COD workshop and producing new IP or uh, reinvigorating old ones. I just, I look at if you're the business and you're buying this big company and the amount of tooth and nail fighting you had to do for call of duty alone. I feel like that's one of the main reasons you're buying Activision. Like Phil's gone ad ad nauseum about, you know, mobile, 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 which I believe. Um, But call of duty on the, is probably the most singular important thing they got on the console side. So I just don't, as a fan, it's like, yeah, man, like get in there, you know, put Beanox on a new Spider-Man game. Like they've had years off of it since Amazing Spider-Man 2, which was awful, but they made the likes of Shattered Dimensions, Amazing Spider-Man 1, which were legitimately great games for their time. Uh, I still think Shattered Dimensions is awesome. So, you know, you can do something there. Like you have a team with a lot of Marvel experience, maybe. I don't know if the old team, members of the old team are still there, but um, there is that excitement that I initially think of, but do you pull them off of a big moneymaker like that? Um, I just, if if you were so slow moving that you didn't catch something in development like Redfall, then can you get involved and strip the guts out of these teams and move and shift all these employees onto brand new projects? Um, I don't know. Um, but I, what I would like to see, I guess it falls more in a back compat really, but mm-hmm. You know, when you look at the the Activision library, like as a Spider-Man fan, um, I just did a massive, I recorded it, it should be out in a couple of days, a, a massive retrospective on all these Spider-Man games from 2000 and on. All of them were up until Amazing Spider-Man 2 in 2014 were published by Activision. Yeah. Um, and that's not including the likes of Ultimate Alliance and um the x-men games like wolverine the, yeah. yeah origins wolverine where you like put a dude's head in a helicopter blade <laughs> that game was good that game was actually really good for a movie tying game oh, yeah way better it had any right to be that was raven and yeah, that was the raven. team that that's kind of what i was getting at is i mean the ip library is there and if they could figure out something with licensing and rights ip rights there's the transformers games yeah the transformers games that's high moon i believe so yep. Uh, to me, if I had to pick one single studio that you just unleash on a brand new IP, it's Raven. Um, right. I love Singularity. I meant we just talked about X Men Origins. They made a bunch of other great games, but they did the Black Ops Cold War campaign, which I thought was fucking awesome. I I am not your average COD campaign player. Um, I do eventually go through them all, but it's not like the the popcorn flick that I wait all year for. It's like, you know, I get to it when I get to it. Uh, but that one was really good, like well thought out, great twists, awesome mission design. It just remind me, I'm like, Raven is probably one of the most underrated studios in our industry as a whole. Um, and I think if you're Xbox, um, this team has a massive 
first person pedigree and you could throw them on any of your IP. I mean, I know it's a little too late now, but like perfect dark, this team would have probably been a perfect fit for that. Mm. Um, you know, I just feel whatever they want to do, you got to let them do go do that and they'll make something really good. And now that you have the ability with game pass and like the exclusivity sort of like, you know, pompousness of like, you know, look, we're bringing this to the platform. They could, they could solidify themselves as a big name. So that would be the team that I'd let loose on whatever IP. But yeah, just when I look at the library, like as a fan, like I just hope they figure something out with back compact because those transformers games are great. The Marvel games are amazing. Singularity is awesome. And I know Xbox has said for a while, like, yeah, we wound down the back compact program, but like, I think with how much they have there and given that they went back and fixed the COD servers as easily as they did, like it's been confirmed it was Microsoft, not Activision. I think if there's a will, there's a way and they could figure out these games and, and they should because you may not get Spider-Man too, but if you have every Spider-Man game since 2000 on your platform, I mean, I don't know, man, it'd be cool. Uh, I thought, I, I I would think typically that's impossible like with the Raimi trilogy of Spider-Man games as well, but um when you look at the Kawabunga collection and how Konami is going to like, they're apparently trying to get the 2003 TMNT games into like a second volume um, based off an interview I saw with Konami. Like that to me, I originally thought was impossible, but again, I think if there's a will, there's a way. And I think Xbox should try to find a way with a lot of these games and, and bring them onto their platform because uh, that renewed life. I mean, we saw what call of duty's numbers were when, when the servers were getting fixed. I mean, people were like, what it's back. And they were hopping in and I'm not saying like, you know, a Spider-Man game from the 360 era will pull those numbers, but it does add a lot of value to your platform because all of those would inherently go straight to Game Pass. Yeah, and uh, for those of you watching, I, I don't know if you have uh, saw this yet, Maddie, but Phil, ju just there's uploaded interview of Phil with, with the official Xbox podcast today while we're live or doing the show. Yeah. I can I can and, uh, summarize that real quickly if you want. He did say that there will be no Activision Blizzard games on Game Pass this year. Uh, that 2024 is more accurate. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so what did, what did Phil say in this interview, Jez? Any things that we can sort of discuss? Or is, uh, what's, yeah, what's, what's it look like? I mean, like? if you want to extend the podcast by two more hours. <laughs> oh, but, well, um, never mind then. But, uh, <laughs> Maddie, just, she's got a lot of things to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, I mean, just, guys, uh, I mean yeah, fire just, it up. Go ahead. Just a, just a quick run through. Uh, these are just um, the, the major points. And I've, been, I've actually been working with with my news team in the background during this. <laughs> I knew you were being quiet because I knew this, this interview dropped and I'm like, Oh, Jez is working right now. So. Yeah. I've been <laughs> trying to coordinate my team, but, um, so basically the gist is confirms no IBK games on game pass until 2024. The goal is 100% parity for call of duty, no exclusive skins, DLC or betas for uh, PlayStation. But he also said, uh, we don't want to use, we don't want to weaponize call of duty to try and, you know, force PlayStation gamers to switch to Xbox. Um, I think that comment will come back to bite him or haunt him when the Call of Duty ads have Xbox all over them in the future. Uh, that's fine. That's that's marketing. That's I, I, yeah, I don't I think that's 100 percent fine. I think I think uh, I don't know, man. I think just the, the mere 
the mere association of Xbox is, is doesn't matter. The, the, the difference is there's not going to be an exclusive skin like PlayStation has yeah, or the, an early beta that that X, that's only on Xbox. Yeah, because they could have done going that. Away. They could have been like the beta is only on Xbox. You want to play it? We could have all these like the Master Chief skins only on Xbox or some whatever. So to me, like branding Xbox with Call of Duty and the marketing stuff is nothing yeah okay, compared to like the those sort of i don't know maddie do you feel differently in that regard um as in when it comes to like just uh, saying like those words will come back to haunt phil about oh okay yeah sorry um maybe not for marketing rights um i just phil has a really i've noticed has a really bad habit of saying stuff in like perpetuity that's just mm. as a ceo yeah. is definitely not going to pan out well for him and I don't know if it's like the corporate side of him saying, I just need to calm the masses now and I'll deal with it later. Uh, or if he genuinely means that, but like, for example, Oh, we're not going to weaponize call of duty to get people over the platform. Come on, Phil. <laughs> Come on. You're not going to take this game that everyone was kicking and screaming over. That's how valuable it is. You're not going to try to use that at all to bring people over. You know, you're going to get straw, man. You know, people are going to see, yeah, he said no betas, but let's say one day a beta does happen. Like the the unless there's something they're concerned about with the deal or legality wise, I don't know. Um, but there is so much to gain through submitting a, a Halo base skin or something like that. And he's like, yeah, we're not gonna weaponize it. I mean, I just think that's if anything, then that's a missed opportunity. You the know, Master Chief I'm not skin, advocating the Master Chief skin in Fortnite. That's available on PlayStation, right? I yes. believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I just um, wondered, like, it, is there is there anything Sony would do to block, like, say for example, if they wanted to do a Master Chief skin to market the launch of Halo Infinite more, Halo more Infinite, Halo Infinite Two, uh, or something, and uh, and Sony was like, ah, we don't want that on our platform, you know, then it'd look like they had uh, done something, but then it'd be like on Sony. I don't know. Um, but see, I think they're following exactly the things that they said they weren't going to do. Uh, we we aren't going to. There isn't going to be. There isn't going to be exclusive beta. There's not going to be exclusive skins, right? Yeah. So, like a skin, if you, they do a Halo skin, it'll probably be available to PlayStation users as well as Switch users. But I mean, just by itself, a Halo skin is going to market Xbox regardless, even if you can still get it on PlayStation or or Switch. So, stuff he's saying isn't isn't in contrast to any of the stuff that they've talked about with those deals that they were trying to get Nintendo and PlayStation to sign. Cause that was one of the things they said, it would be like, no, there are, isn't, there isn't going to be any of this stuff, but like the marketing is like, yeah, of course they're going to market it with Xbox. I mean, anybody, I don't, at least I assume if they don't, then that's, I would be like with Maddie, like that is a huge missed opportunity at that point. You know what I mean? Like you need to, you need to brow people and hammer over the head Call of Duty is on Xbox on Game Pass, right? Though that needs to be in your freaking marketing for whenever you can finally market that game. Uh, and if you don't do it, then I'd be like, "What are we doing here?" You know what I mean? Mm. I don't, so I don't have an issue with the other. What's some, any other uh, juicy, juicy things? He also said. He also said. Um... We, they're all in on any studio that wants to uh, revisit a dormant IP um, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And um, that's that, that's kind of what you were talking a little bit about, right, man? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, if, if they if they're all in, I'm all in. <laughs> they said you know, uh, that, that sounds great. He did say there's no plans for Hexen right now. People are speculating because of his T-shirt, but um, he just wanted to set the record straight. There's no plan right now, but if if a studio wanted, he basically said if a studio wanted to do it, then they'd be all in to support that. Um, he also said, uh, so yeah, okay. So th- this is what we we're talking about before we went live Rand. He talked okay. about that, um, there's a regulatory hold on the game pass, the, the work to, to involved to make the game pass stuff happen. So they couldn't put the start, begin the process to make the Game Pass drops happen until the deal are closed, which is now. So that's why it's taken a while, I guess. Um, and I th- think that's pretty much... That's all the major stuff that's in the interview, from what I can tell. There's nothing, there's nothing beyond that. He talks about he's going he's gonna to visit all the ABK studios soon. He's going to visit King in Sweden, and then he's going to go and visit Blizzard and, and a bunch of other studios, I guess. That's pretty much it um, for all the major points that I can tell so far. But yeah, it does sound like... Um, it sounds to me like we're going to be waiting a really long time to see any real benefits of this thing. Um, well, I mean, like, when you look at what happened enough. with... You have, look what happened with Bethesda, right? They added the games right away, but it's took two years for, for there to be any... Uh, new releases because Deathloop was exclusive to PlayStation for a year, and so was Ghostwire Tokyo. Mm-hmm. So you, it took two years until you ended up getting Starfield, Redfall, Hi-Fi Rush, and I would imagine a similar situation might happen with ABK, where it's like, okay, next year we'll get. And Maddie, let, let me ask you this: We had with Bethesda, we had the drops all at once. Do you think they're going to do that again with ABK, where they drop everything? It's like, here's what we can offer on, on Game Pass, Back and Pat, uh, Xbox One titles, Xbox Series XS titles, or do you think they do monthly drops and theme it? Like, one month, just say, for example, March, it's Crash Month. Mm. So here's the Crash games. And then, oh, here, uh, it's, 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 Janu- it's, it's, you know, like April, it's Tony Hawk Month, and here's Tony Hawk and something else. And maybe they drop a, one cod every single month cuz i don't think you'd want to drop all 10 cods or whatever you're able to it's like how would you, how do you envision them dropping these titles for game pass i think they're going to drip feed them i think yeah. with bethesda they learned a lesson i, I got to give kudos to, to gene park cuz he he's the one who planted the idea in my head i think it's possible they learned a lesson with that where they kind of slung everything into Game Pass, and I think it was two drops. The the day of, they added 20 games, and I think they did the rest in a later drop. Um, and that was really exciting, because you felt like the immediate impact, and I think Prey, specifically on social media at least, felt like it had a second life. So there was that excitement, but I think if you're now trying to make your subscription service kind of be in the driver's seat, lead the charge for um, pretty much your platform as a whole, uh, you need to, I'm not advocating for it, but like you kind of need to stagger it out. Um, and I think the way you were putting it is like, you know, oh, there's like a new Spyro game that was announced. Here's a few Spyro games on Game Pass right now. Um, I just think... Uh, Diablo month. Here's Diablo 2, 3, and 4, right? Exactly. Yeah, I just think that is the key to success for them. Um, and it will make 
what Game Pass has been doing lately, which I appreciate, is they've been really honing in on quality, not quantity. Um, so you don't get a ton of drops at once anymore. But like this month or this week, I think they announced like seven games coming to Game Pass, and like one of them is at least for me a top three game this year in, in Dead Space nice. remake. Like, yeah. Um, and so you get that, and it's like, oh, it's I mean, perfect timing. It's Halloween month, like. Mm-hmm. I get to hop into that now and play it like that's perfect spooky season game and it's a high quality one granted you had to wait nine months but you kind of know that's around the six to nine month window for these ea games uh point being though is is you're getting more quality there if you look at day one i think liza p is probably my game of the year right now um and and that was day one game pass game that's friggin' unbelievable they sea of stars is one of the highest rated games of the year day one game pass so I'm seeing a lot of quality-driven approach from Xbox Game Pass, which was one of the things when they first started doing third-party day one I was critical of. I thought they were being a little too safe. I don't think they were getting the right games. I think they were doing way too much multiplayer live service focus and that they needed to go in on what they did go in on, like, whole long. I think that was awesome to see how successful that game was, uh, just to call out a random example. So I think with Activision um, now in the fold, you look at what you've learned throughout the day one game pass drops and how you can benefit marketing other games with certain game pass drops. Uh, and I, I think Xbox is wise as a business to drip feed these games over time. Um, I think it goes, I, I think also with just how many games are coming out, like even if you're not like us who tries to play a ton of games, it's part of our living and you know, we're super passionate about it compared to the average Joe people only have time for so many games and it was probably in hindsight, pretty dumb to say here are 20 awesome mm. games for the most part, <laughs> go yeah. ahead and find one to play as you're working like a full-time job or you're a full-time student. Like you're, people are like, I only got time for one of these, but now like maybe they can spread it out over a while. Unfortunately, what this means is there's going to be people who are waiting for that one game. Like, let's say for me, I love singularity. Every drop that comes around, where's singularity? Where? Oh, it's not there. Oh, it's not there either. Mm-hmm. And not there. And so you're going to be waiting for a while for certain things that you're looking for. So we'll see how they handle it. I just think with how many games are coming out, we know it's not just this holiday period. Like we look at right in the beginning of the year, ending in January, beginning of Mar- uh, February. It's a ton of games again, like a unnecessary amount all at once that have to be spread out. Xbox, if they're going to start dropping games in Game Pass likely in 2024, uh, dude, I mean, it's, you know, that's going to be a too big of a shotgun blast. And I think they're just wise to to pace it out. And and these companies, I don't know if it's ego or not, but need to lower the ego and just recognize like, hey, people are going to play other things too. We just need to put our game in a, a position to succeed, not go head to head with every game that's coming out. Um, so that's how I think they're going to handle it. I think they're going to drip feed it. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think there's just too much there for them to just being like here's here's 15 call of duty games choose the one you want i i i fully expect there's also maybe like, like one or two a month yeah there's also the angle of like the the benefit of game pass was always that it was highly curate, curated you know qu- quality over quantity like matty says so and like if you put too much stuff in there you're kind of cannibalizing your partners that work with you you know I think they need to eat. They need to ease it in, like maybe even an even longer, you know, even longer amount of time, and ease it in in line with how Game Pass is growing. 
Because, like, if all of a sudden you slap, like, a million service games in there, say, for example, they put Diablo 4 in there, Diablo 3 in there, which inexplicably still has a lot of players. And Diablo 2. Diablo 2 as well. And then all the Call of Duties. And then, like, some people are saying put World of Warcraft in there, which I think they'll, I think they'll do something like Minecraft Realms. You get three months. You get three months with Game Pass Ultima or something. So imagine mm. they put World of Warcraft in there in some way. Imagine they, you know, they put all this stuff in there. That's gonna like you know cannibalize your games like loads of P and and um, you know City Skylines and, and wherever else. Like every time you put like a Call of Duty in there, it's it's gonna be like if you're an indie game or something, it's gonna be like wow, I've got to go up against this now, you know. So I think they need to be cautious with how much of an impact this could make. Obviously, they want it to grow Game Pass and these classic Call of Duty games will presumably. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm getting sleepy now. Um, these Call of Duty games will um, help it grow, of course, but I think they need to be cautious because it could cannibalize and dilute the player base. Like, I, my backlog is completely untenable. I don't know if it's the same for you guys. Yeah. Well, maybe not Rand, because Rand, <laughs> Rand doesn't work for a limit. But, yeah, my backlog <laughs> is just completely untenable. It's, 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 it's absurd, you know. Because you don't finish games, dude. You you play a game physically, for hours and then, physically and then move incapable. to another game and play it for two and then move to don't don't I'm put incapable, this on man. Me. I literally don't, don't have physical time. I was in so many meetings today. How I'm many like, games did you play? How many games have you played today? Uh three. I played three games. Uh-huh. Today. That should have been one game until you were finished. Oh come on. Don't you get That's how I do it. What, what three are you playing? I played Battlefield twenty forty two again. Improved quite a lot. Quite enjoying it now. Um, didn't enjoy it at launch, but now I'm quite enjoying it. I played Endless Dungeon, which is the game you can see running on the screen right now. Um, considering doing a review of that, although the embargo listed two days, so that's probably not happening. Endless Dungeon's in early access now. It's like a tower defense kind of game. Um, tower defense meets Diablo meets Hades, roguelike kind of game. Really fun. Okay. Um, and also I've. Uh, Reinstall Final Fantasy Twelve for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, so I hear two. I hear two games that you could cut out of that. So I ran. Yeah. I see the problem here, <laughs> dude. I, Maddie, I gave I gave Jazz the whole year to beat Persona Five Royale. Oh, He's no. got two months left. He ain't gonna finish it. I gave him a whole year to beat Persona Five. I'll finish. How far did you get? I'm fifty hours in. Something like that. See, all this right, is the you, thing. You got another 50. <laughs> it's as you jump from all these games, and Rand just plays one until he's done. Like, I finished Alan Wake. I'll be I'll play Spider-Man. I'll be done with Spider-Man and Alan Wake. And then, you know, it's like I finished Forza Motorsport and finished, you know, the crew and, and finished whatever. Like, I play a game, and, I'm, and then I'm done. Finish Starfield. Put it down. That won't, won't ever load up Starfield again until it gets uh, expansion, you know? That's that's how I play all my games, one one at a time until it's finished. So my backlog is considerably smaller. Um, so uh, I got I got a couple more questions for you, Maddie. We'll we'll, sure. we'll keep this shorter so we can get you out of here because I'm sure you you have you said you have two videos you need to work on, and I'm sure you're probably going to plan a, a fill video. Man, it's me and uh, to get out of yeah, here. Yeah, once what's, I'm, what's, I'm once Jez mentioned that uh, or Rand, you mentioned that my my heart dropped a little bit. I was like, oh, yeah. I got I got another video. To do. <laughs> got another video to make. Um, what's next? That's the other part of this equation, right? Because I said on Xbox Two, this isn't the this isn't this isn't the end. This is like the middle. And mm. Phil's talked about 
uh, more acquisitions. They, they aren't going to stop. And I know certain people don't like to hear it. I, I know uh, Corporate Cog gets a lot, a lot of flack. On yeah, my man's Duke. been under fire lately. <laughs> um, so, you know, assuming that they're not finished, which I don't think we are. I don't think anybody here, Jez certainly doesn't think they're done. What do you think Microsoft's uh, envisioning next? What do you think's uh, a part of their, okay, we need to look at what our strategy is and what studios or what publishers still hit that strategy. So what do you think they're finished? Do you think they still have more to do? And if they have more to do, what do you, what do you think they're, they're looking at? I think their next play, I don't know if they'll be able to do it, but uh, Sega, mm-hmm. I think they're not going to, a lot of people think like, okay, now they're going to play small ball. I'm like, they're going to surprise the shit out of a lot of you because I don't think they're going to say they, they got through with Activision. Do you mm. think they're not, they're bold now. This is something that, that uh, in particular, uh, Hoaglaw has hit over our heads. He's like, if Act- Xbox wins this, they're not going to go like, okay, let's do like a small one. It's like, no, we just beat the FTC in court. We acquired Activision Blizzard. We have Call of Duty. We have Blizzard. We have King with Candy Crush. Like, what, let's go do another one. Like, let's go get someone big again. And uh, when I look at Xbox, like we, we talked about Disney and EA and um, like, uh, I think cause like EA is definitely trying to sell and, and cog asked me like, you know, who would they go to? And I, I said, I don't think Xbox is a fit for them at all. Especially you kind of already have the benefit of EA playing game pass. Like, I think that's a win for them. Uh, it bolsters the service and, and you just got the arguably biggest Western publisher. Like you don't need another western publisher unless you feel like you need to shore up the sports games which i don't think xbox really needs to do uh necessarily for day one game pass so i think if i as a fan am looking at their weaknesses it's japan it's global appeal like they are a really strong western company but beyond that like uk they're pretty good um but i think japan is a region they've been trying to break into and have failed miserably and they're finally finding a modicum of success here with Game Pass and the Series S. Um, and physical media is super popular in Japan. So the fact that they're breaking through there is like with that is uh, a big deal, um, especially because they're a Western company, which makes things even a little more harder for them there. So I think that um, they're in particular going to target Sega because I have this galaxy brain theory that I'm, I'm okay. wondering what you guys think about it. And it's, I think they need Sega for the next generation because oh. I think okay. when you're tooling up to launch whatever it's going to be, a platform, a unit, both, I think if you're shipping in Japan, if you use the Sega branding for your console, it would do a million times better. And I don't know if the Xbox brand will ever break out the way they want it to. And so they need to use someone else's. And I don't know what they would like the Sega box or whatever they call it. Dreamcast le- 2. <laughs> yeah, Dreamcast 2. I don't know what they call it, but they call it something under the Sega moniker in Japan to break through. And of course, we're seeing the growing relationship that um, originally when they didn't have anything cooking with Square Enix, uh, I said that but, but Xbox has to go for Atlas because if you look at the, my word of the day has been Pantheon the pantheon of JRPGs out there. And you think Final Fantasy is at the top. It's the most iconic. It's the most recognizable. I'd say Persona is next in line. Mm. Um, and I was like, you know, if you let, like they already kind of have the PlayStation exclusivity, like you're already letting it slip. Like if you let that go all the way, 
I mean, you can get the occasional Tales of game. I mean, that's just, you got to get Persona. And, like, they're getting it. Like, we have Day 1 Game Pass for Tactica next month. We're having Day 1 Game Pass for uh, 3 Reload. And so... Which is incredible uh, when you think about it, right? Which, yeah, really fucking shocking. So, I, I, I just think looking at that, um, the relationship growing... Uh, they 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 debuted Metaphor Refantasio, which is a ridiculous name, but like the fact that they're debuting Atlas IPs that are brand new, that are like pretty much medieval Persona. Uh, I mean, big deal, really big deal. So uh, Sega is, it's not like any simpin to say like Sega clearly loves Game Pass. Like, look at yeah, how many Day One Game Pass. It's insane. I think they have more Day One Game Pass games in the in the xbox library as a third-party partner than anyone else um and while sega says they're not looking to be purchased right now i think if xbox ponied up a lot of money i think they would sell i mean um they also just canceled hyenas which was supposedly their biggest budget game of all time really i didn't know that's that okay i knew they canceled it but i didn't know it was big yeah there's some of the former employees uh, yeah Said it's that a that claimed be, claim to have been claimed yeah but i mean okay. i could see i could see it happen i could see it being true yeah so i just i just think if you're trying to break that re- breakthrough in that region um and you're gobbling up publishers obviously it goes beyond the value of game pass i think this is a <clears throat> this is your answer to a problem that's plagued xbox since after the original generation like if you look at the i think video game chronicle had a stat sheet of the best-selling games for Xbox ever in Japan. And I think the number one best-selling game was Dead or Alive 3 on the original Xbox, which is an awesome game, by the way. I remember playing that on the demo disc, but when I was a little kid, probably not a great game for kids, given the physics in that game, but I digress. That is a that is their best-selling game in Japan. Like, not even Lost Odyssey, not even Blue Dragon. So I think it's a branding issue. I think Sega solves that, and I think you get the IP there with Game Pass and we're kind of progressing in this digital way where Xbox, if this is where gaming's going to go, they're ahead of the curve compared to other competitors. Um, so I just, I think if we're looking at what's next, uh, I think Sega's that. Absolutely. Jazz has been riding the Square Enix train. Mm, that's more mobile. That, that was one thing they were yeah. looking at, wasn't it? So Square Enix do... would make a lot of sense because they're, they're pretty openly struggling. So, And we that do would... know that, I mean, uh, from the leaks that they wanted Sega at one point and they wanted Square at one point. Yeah. And they went for approvals. Do you think about what about smaller? Like, hey, mm. let's go get a Creative Assembly. Let's go get a Crystal Dynamics and Eidos from Embracer before Embracer like yeah. folds. It's funny you, know? you bring those up. That that would have been my, that would have been my answer. Um I think I it's funny. Cog had this idea and I definitely laughed about the room a bit because I was like, that's so fucking galaxy brain. He's like, what if embracers just kind of holding on to these teams for xbox like with mm. crystal and stuff and i'm like nah but like now when you look at embracer like with the kotor remake in trouble they've shut down volition uh, i think honestly i forgot was it dan buster who did dead island 2 whoever did dead island yeah. 2 i think if that game was not a rousing success would have been axed too like they are chopping everyone down right now because of that two billion dollar deal falling through like they are in trouble so now I'm looking at that. I'm like, yeah, that would be on a smaller level. My answer, like taking pretty much teams offloaded from Embracer uh, and bringing them into the Xbox family um, makes a lot of sense there. Because who, who they have? They have Eidos, they have yeah. Crystal, and there's a third that I'm well, trying to remember. I, 
I don't think there was a third. It was a two. And we, we Crystal, because they're working on Perfect Dark and Idols, because mm. they're working on Fable. Mm. So it was like, okay, you kind of need to get those. Right? And I can yeah. even see it. Like, you get Crystal, you reunite them with their former leader, Daryl Gallagher, and, like, initiative just becomes Crystal Dynamics. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think they'll ever do that just because that would be such a bad look. Like the one new studio they've opened in the last half a decade. And it's like, and it's Crystal Dynamics now (laughs) with the same fucking leadership too. Um, Or like uh, you could go after a Sobo. I mean, like they're doing the Microsoft Flight Sim. They got a new game next year. There sounds like they're doing Playstyle. I think they'd be a perfect pickup as well. So it's like, there's there's individual studios they can go after. But yeah, like... Cog's been pushing the Sega thing because he's a Sega fanboy. <laughs> and it does make sense. Sarabon loves Sega. <laughs> yeah. And then you don't even talk about ABK. I guess I'll ask you this. Um, Kotick's going to be gone beginning of next year. Who do you think is the n- new leader of ABK? Uh, Mikey Barra. Oh, really? You think yeah. Ibarra's going to run it? Okay. I mean, it's just a shot in the dark because in my head, I mean, it could be some suit. I don't know. I just say Mikey Barra because of the Xbox relationship. And I think... Right. If you're talking about ease of transition, I feel like that would be the most sensible. What about know, because... uh, what about Sarah Bond? Yeah, I think Sarah Bond. What about Sarah getting Sarah? Oh, Bond, you're thinking some experience from X- running a publisher and then taking over for Phil? Because we, I think we'd all agree here. When Phil retires, and it will be a sad day, mm-hmm. right? I think who takes over as C- CEO of Microsoft Gaming is Sarah. It looks like she's been positioned that way. Mm. But okay, let's get her some experience. So you have her, you know, get her experience running ABK for uh, you know a few years before you know Phil retires, and then she transitions over to run Microsoft's. I don't know. Maybe that's too much, uh, but it's certainly something I could see. Maybe it's just a suit lower than Bobby that stays and be- gets promoted or something. Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me either. I, I don't, I don't know if I. I would like to, I mean, technically she's part of the Xbox team still, but I mean, I don't know if I would, when she kind of manages what looks to be like game pass and publisher relations to an extent that I would let her go and just handle one thing. Like she seems to be a Jack of all trades and it seems like her and Phil are kind of a duo. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I would just send her off to like lead a, what seems to be a, a massive headache of a publisher. Um, I feel like that would almost be a misuse of her talents, um, especially when you probably want her working with Phil and on Phil things to naturally usher her in and kind of create that culture uh, or maintain, not create, sorry, maintain that culture that uh, Phil is trying to deploy across the company. All right. Um, well, I think I'll get you out of here on this question, this last question. Sure. So with Xbox, uh where they're at now you know i think it's like 15 xbox game studios plus all bethesda you know i know i know you love like obsidian and now you add abk on top of it you had all the game pass stuff uh like what is your future overall outlook for xbox in general are you like super pumped because i i know there's a little bit of like here i am as a fan and a consumer but also it's your job, right? Like you cover mm. Xbox in mm. your daily videos and stuff like that. So obviously you have maybe like um, a multitude of uh, positions that normal people necessarily wouldn't. So sure. overall, I mean, like 
do you think do you think that like the like the sky's the limit for them that hey they could run the gaming industry like like they want according to the the leaked documents by 2030 they want to be number one um should xbox fans be really excited should we you know like all those sort of things like how do you personally feel about the future of xbox and all that stuff it's hard not to feel pretty good because they're moving with a level of confidence that we haven't seen in a while like i know it's kind of a distant memory now but leading into the showcase this year that was an Xbox kind of moving different type of energy that we've not mm-hmm. seen. Like it usually like you get Aaron Greenberg going like, Hey, please calm down. Everyone yeah. don't get too excited. Do like, this year, this past year. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't do that at all this year. In fact, I think the whole company was hyping it up. And, and from my perspective, I think it delivered. I really think that was one of the best showcases I've seen. I just feel finally getting a look at all the first party, a real big focus on gameplay some gameplay like Fable being so impressive that certain people are like, that wasn't real gameplay yeah. and um, is a big flex to have. I, I just think they've they've they had the Atlas partnership there, three Atlas games. I mean, it, it was a Maddie showcase for sure. Like I got an A from me and it showed that, okay, things are coming into this vision here. Like they're addressing weaknesses actively. Bethesda is a big part of this company's future it feels like that is this truly part of xbox now not just like this subsidiary or anything like it's they're an active participant in the ecosystem so with activision looking forward like as a creator um i don't know if i'm going to suddenly go and cover active all activision games um because now xbox is like jez is probably feasting because now (laughs) your coverage is so broad for me as a youtuber there's that crossover of like going too broad at the same no, time. No, we have the exact same problem. Like oh, I don't, I don't have enough writers or enough budget to really sort of cover any single game with the amount of depth needed that mm-hmm. Google wants to reward you for, you know? So yeah, really having to pick our battles as well. You know, it's, it's almost like they're too broad now for us yeah and that's what i was thinking is it's like i still got to play to my strengths which is um i think studio analysis um just being aware of who's in what building and reviews and that's how i plan to kind of cover things moving forward as an individual you know i don't even have a team really i have an editor but like i don't have a a coverage team and i think just given the way my channel's branded i can't just suddenly brings or brad in on mr maddie plays or whoever um that just that just wouldn't work so um that's how i'm looking at it as a creative like it's very exciting because you know for me as a guy who's kind of more i upload four times a week on mr maddie so it's kind of day-to-day operation um there are definitely weeks like this week where uh minus this before this phil spencer interview it's like all right i what the hell am i going to talk about today like i don't know um and in a post Starfield release world, there is that cool off feeling that uh, Jez, I'm sure you can relate to Rand. I'm sure you can relate to where, um, okay, like, you know, now the hype is over and we've kind of re- got to regain steam. And so traffic's down mm-hmm. a smidge comparatively speaking. Cause like we're looking for what's next. And uh, like a lot of these things happening are like setups for what's next. Um, so, there's a degree of like repositioning too. And then I'm kind of still feeling it out, but that's kind of, that's how I'm looking at it from like a creator standpoint is uh, reviews and, and uh, 
and analyzing who's where and kind of sticking it to that instead of what I think I did in like 2020 on, which is like I covered like every move Xbox made because they were way smaller. It was just Xbox and and integrating Bethesda, but now it's mm. way different. Um, it's hard, man. But it is hard to keep up with everything. It is. There's there's it. That's and that kind of goes to answering Grant's question a bit on like if I'm worried about anything, like yeah, I'm worried they're they're getting too big. Uh, not yeah. from a creator standpoint, I I worry about it as like how do you. How do you, we just talk about these things. How do you manage all of this? And I think that's why they buy publishers because they have to manage themselves. But I think Embracer is a cautionary tale of what Xbox could become if they don't manage right at all. Like if, if, if what, if I should say this, Embracer seemed to be up Shit's Creek without a paddle because one deal fell through. Granted, it was $2 billion, but one deal fell through and they just went and had a fire sale. Like they're just burning down the whole place. I don't know if Xbox is in that position because of Microsoft in their back pocket, but at the same time, um, Xbox and was almost shut down after the one generation. And Phil said something to kind of convince Satya that that this brand's worth keeping around. So they have an obligation to make a lot of money, and they can't afford to fuck up now with how much they're investing in it. So it's kind of scary. It's kind of scary because this is like a this is the start of the big bet, really. Like I think to many people, Bethesda was that, and it definitely felt like that at the moment. But now that this is the reality. That like these two, like I, you know, we grew up on these companies. Like they're all in the Xbox family, and there's more to come. Uh, it's pretty terrifying to think about like what what they're gonna do with all of this in in a fun sort of way, uh, because there's a lot of IP that could come back, as Phil just said, apparently. Um, but yeah, there's also the potential that they could just mismanage this into the ground, um, which yeah. I'm hoping they don't. But yeah, it's, that's all. That's always the the deep worry <laughs> is that they fuck it up, right? It's like it's it's it'll be the ultimate be careful what you wish for kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. And again, I just look at Embracer like they mm-hmm. they gobbled up. I remember there was this period of time they were buying. I mean, granted, it was much smaller fish, but they were buying everybody and creating almost this content farm. Like it, it reminded me of an MCN as a YouTuber, like just signing everybody onto the network. So even if someone's getting a couple thousand views of video, it's like, oh, it's just a couple of bucks. But if you have thousands and thousands of people doing that, you're making thousands and thousands of dollars now um, just by taking 10% of that. So that was what Embracer is doing. And now Xbox is definitely going more high quality, you know, with, with Bethesda and Activision. So it's much different. But um, I do worry again about, because they were caught off guard by the reaction to Redfall, not even the quality of it, but the reaction they... I think, I don't know if it was in your report, Jez, or something like that, but they were kind of like, I think it was your report, that they were almost unaware of, oh, we're connected, like, there's going to be a reaction. If if Redfall's bad, it's at Xbox's feet more than Bethesda, and, like, to me, that felt like the most obvious part of it all. It's like, okay, you own them, like, they're yours, you take care of them, right? Like, you're the parent now. Yeah, Um, I, uh, yeah, I I spoke to people at, um, at that LA event, the Not E3 event, and the the gist of the conversations were we were blindsided by this, you know. Mm. Um, and it's kind of like how how can you be blindsided by something like that? And it, because, it kind I'll, of I'll, I'll tell you why, Jez. Because mock reviews that the, the teams that they hired said the game was going to be seventy five. So when it comes in at a fifty seven, and is your worst exclusive ever, and people are frothing at the mouths yeah you're blindsided by it because you had no idea you had no idea because mm. you had you had you had mock reviewers companies that do this shit for a living telling you 
the game's good but not great and you're like okay 75 we can we can deal with that it, it you know it's not the end of the world and then it comes in 20 points lower yeah i bet you they're 100 percent they're blindsided they're probably blindsided by the fact that the 60 fps didn't ship on time either you know what i mean yeah like, yes you know yeah i guess that's the true fear of it is it's it's super i mean i'd rather here's the thing maddie Mm. I'd rather be excited for stuff than like uh, kind of negative about everything. That's how I approach it. Sure. Like I'd much rather look on the positive side of things rather than the negative. Not saying like I, ain't been, I won't be negative because I will. Like if something goes wrong, like I will be there to talk crap about it to call it out. <laughs> but I sort of feel like, you know, as like a hobby and sort of everything, I, if it's not fun, why are you covering it? Right. Or why are you talking about it? Like, I sort of feel like a lot of people get jaded and everything's sort of already positioned as uh, something bad. Um, You know, like some people are looking at this like this is the end of the industry and uh, the beginning of the end and they're going to ruin X, Y and Z. And I mean, I get under I understand why people could have that viewpoint, especially if it fits in with your agenda, if you're trying to sell to your uh, fan base that, you know, uh, these, these things are happening, but I would mm. look at it like, I think this is going to be great. And I'd rather think it's going to be really good, uh, rather than to sit there and think, you know, that it's all going to fall apart, you know? Yeah. So like my line of thinking is like, I think it's, I think it's all super exciting. Just like, you know, I'm hoping as you mentioned earlier about like the, the studios that Microsoft bought in 2018, not delivering games. I'm like, yeah, it's been a while, and but like, I'm looking like Hellblade Two is gonna be great, Avowed's gonna be great, and I'd rather that be my initial viewpoint or my initial setting rather than just being like, oh, everything's gonna be garbage. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, and and I think I share much of that. I I see a lot of YouTubers definitely make their bones off of uh, and outlets make their bones off of sensationalism and uh, doom and gloom. And I understand, you know, as someone who's had to make a negative video, like, yeah, there's definitely, you definitely draw a lot of attention that way. Um, But I think what people lose focus of often is um, your negative words have more impact when they're scarce. So if you're constantly negative, I think you gradually just lose people, uh, which a lot of these channels that and, and outlets that build their whole audience off of this just don't realize that. They're like, yeah, wow, you know, like, where did everyone go? It's like, it's because you're negative constantly. I don't think skepticism is bad, uh, but I do think like the, the constant negativity, I mean, I think it's a showcase of people's mental state. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, that, that like they can just tolerate being fucking depressed that often. Um, just to put it bluntly, but yeah, I'm, I'm one who's more of a glass half full guy. I just, I think a lot of people, we just live in the extreme times. I think people feel they have to be extremely positive or extremely negative. Um, and they just don't see that. Like, you can be optimistic. Like, I'm with you, Rand, that I think, yeah, like, this this should work out. Like, this should deliver us more good games than bad, more exclusives than we had before. And it's exciting to know what games are going to end up exclusives that previously weren't and what's day one Game Pass going to bring. Like, that's all exciting. But it's also the we have the shared wariness. And I know Jez is the same of, like, okay, um, you know, be careful what you wish for. Like, we got the teams now. Are you going to deliver? Are the people that you bought this this company for, are they going to leave? Um, and so on and so forth. So I, I think people should understand that you can be excited at the same time as 
like it's not so one dimensional. Like you can be yeah. excited at the same time as as uh, cautious of of how things will turn out. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, do you want? Do you have anything to add, Jazz, or you want to just end the show and get uh, get nah, Maddie out of here? I think we've yeah. we've run through everything. Thank you so much, Matty, yeah. for joining us. It's of course. It's, it's, it's yeah. a, you, you you're such a YouTuber, aren't you? You so you so you're so well spoken and you say everything really well with your charisma and all that stuff. It's almost Look, it's almost I, frustrating. I'm on, how good you I, are. I have many more hours of sleep in me than it seems you do. So and I'm not sick either. So <laughs> you you have me beat. You have me beat. Sir. Let uh let, let the peeps know where they can find because I know you're in a lot of places. But let them know uh where the, where they can yeah. find you if they if they're so inclined. Yeah, if you are inclined and you want to hear more of my babbling. Uh, I am over on my Mr. Maddie Plays YouTube channel where I talk about a lot of the things that we're talking about here today. Uh, if you like retro games or if you like... I, like, Retro Rebound's also kind of become this review platform for me where, like, we talk about games that I just know wouldn't work on Mr. Maddie. Like, we reviewed that new Avatar game there that sucks and it, it uh, did insane numbers. Is it worse it's than, like, like, Legend of Korra? Like, back in uh, the Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, worse than that? Oh. Yeah, worse than that. Yeah, at least Legend of Korra, like, if you do New Game Plus, you can you can enjoy something there, but uh, this game's terrible, yeah. It's, like, it's the PS2 game I had running in the background on the CRT was, like, way better than what they did here. Uh, and Game Mill made funny enough, they made that game, and then they made the Skull Island game that, that I'm going to talk about today, so they've been on a roll. I think they even uh, just put out, like, a, a Grinch Stole Christmas game. They did that too. Are you serious? I, I think it was them. I, I could that. be wrong. It could be. It could be somebody else. Oh wow, dude. Yeah, they're 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 up to something. They're up to no good. <laughs> but um, you can find me talking about all manner of older style games, like retrospective content on Retro Rebound. I have a lot of fun there. And uh, otherwise, the Defining Duke. If you want another Xbox podcast in your rotation, but if you're listening to this, you're already taken care of by two of the best in the business. So. Uh, feel free to add us to your rotation if you'd like, but no pressure on that. And uh, yeah, otherwise, that is, I mean, I guess Twitter, if you really want to go on social media, at G27status. But uh, you, you've already have found me in enough places by this point where if you like my videos, maybe you'll go check out the other stuff. So thank you, Jess, for having me. It was it was a blast talking about all this. Yeah, yeah it was, it was, awesome it was super awesome. Man. Um, but yeah. yeah, so Jazz, I think, I think we're good. I think I uh, want to say thank you to all the patrons who showed up. And uh, we'll be back on Friday for a new Xbox Two episode. And then, Indeed. are we doing another 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 two guests next month for Xbox Two Plus One? We gotta we'll figure it out. Who, we'll figure it out. We'll, yeah, we'll get some stuff done yeah. there. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in, and we will see you on Friday. Later. Take care, Peace everybody. Out.